Yeah, it's just Boston was matching them miscue for miscue, so it didn't it didn't feel like it was hurting. You're given 10 minutes unsupervised in the Jays clubhouse. What are you doing to dispose of the red jerseys? Wood chipper. Yeah, so Danny Jansen just made me look dumb. He just hit a three-run homer. <laughs> so No, no. He responded. He responded to your criticism. And welcome to episode number 245 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we cover the team that has everything. Botched throws, questionable base running, and celebrations of 30-year-old championships. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by another man who re remembers those championships like they were yesterday, as does the marketing department in Toronto, Joshua Housem. Josh, how's it going? Yeah, well, better than it's going for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I, are, are we still 0-0 uh, today? No, no, they're oh, behind no, no. again. They're definitely losing as we're recording this. Yeah, nothing. Good, yeah. good time. Okay, so, uh, yeah, the, the team. It's been a very streaky team. It, it, it's, it's streaked through a, a bunch of victories uh, in New York, as we discussed last podcast, in Boston. I thought we were shaping up. And then uh, they got home and they crashed and lost three to a crap team in the Angels. So even Ross Stripling says they're streaky. So is this part of the effect of George Springer being in the lineup? Um, is this uh, about Vlad being very impatient and pressing is about everybody pressing um is it about the base running is it about the defense i i, I don't know uh it certainly is we're gonna talk about the horrible timing for uh this particular three game losing streak um and then how the lineup has uh, started to shuffle around um with uh second base trying to find a guy i think who's who's hitting um the pitching i mean you don't have anything to complain about with the pitching overall uh, we're going to hand out a gold star to a former Blue Jays manager. We're going to give a do-over for the stats department scraping the very bottom of the specificity barrel. So, yeah. Uh, when they win, they look unbeatable. When they lose, they look like they don't know which end of the bat or glove to use. So, here's the, here's the thing about that. They So, they, they swept Boston in Boston. Mm -hmm. But they had no business doing that. They won two games in extra innings, and in both of them, Boston probably should have won those games, especially the second of, the, of those of those two games where Boston had runners on third with nobody out in the eighth and ninth and did not score a run. They had the bases loaded, nobody out in the ninth. Yeah, um, and, and then, they only needed one, so the number of runners on didn't really matter. But, yeah, they, they couldn't score. And like, so the Jays were trying to lose that game, and they couldn't because Boston was also trying not to win it, apparently. So I think it masked a bit of the struggles that have been going on really since the start of that series, or at least the second game of that series. Well, certainly there have not been a uh, abundance of runs, but because the pitching up until that point was pretty tight, um, and, and I'm not saying that the middle game of the <laughs> of the Angels series was, was not well pitched because it was excellent, um, but the Angels didn't blink in the first two games. Uh, I just... I keep reminding myself that overall the Blue Jays are still an above average hitting baseball team, but there are whole weeks where I don't understand how that's possible. It's the nature of their offense, I think, because they have a bunch of guys who are just generally streaky hitters because they're not great hitters, right? When they're going, they're as good as anybody, but they swing so much just as a whole team. Like the only guys on the team that don't swing at everything basically are Kirk Jansen and Biggio. Everybody else swings or, or in Springer. Springer takes, takes pitches, but 
the rest of the team is free swingers. And when you when that's the way you hit, you're going to run into spells like this because pitchers will just exploit that. And they've been doing that a lot this year. So like there's an approach change needed with the roster. And I think it's going to come with personnel changes actually in the offseason. Yeah, I, I don't think the um I don't think either the coaching staff or the lineup is going to look this way come 2023, despite the the young core that the Blue Jays have in place. Um, but I, that's a problem for next year. There are some guys who used to take walks. And Vlad, I'm looking at you, and, and you, you brought him up specifically. He was not a big walk taker, but when he got garbage, he didn't try and swing at it once he realized he was not getting pitches in the zone. And this year, I'm sure you have numbers to back up his ridiculous impatience uh, and the fact that they're just pitching him outside constantly. Yeah. So, I mean, you're saying that Vlad is not a big walker in general. Well, he kind of has been, right? That was that, that was the calling card for Vlad when he was coming up, that he was his dad in terms of ability to hit the ball. But he was willing to take pitches. Like last year, he had 86 walks, which for you know, and his on base percentage was 90 points higher than his batting average, which is very, very good. This year, that's not the case. And especially in August. In August, he has walked 4.5% of the time and he leads the team in plate appearances. Frankly, that's just not acceptable when it comes to Vlad. He's not supposed to be doing that. His, and we saw it. So he just had that bat in this game, he got a hit. They were watching, but all three pitches were out of the strike zone and he swung at all of them. And I I wonder if it's a consequence of the team around him because he also has the highest chase rate he's had in the last two years on the season by over 4%, four percentage points, four and a half percentage points than, higher than 2020, 2021. So, you know, it, it's a problem with his aggressiveness because it's not turning into results. Yeah, I mean, the... Uh... I, I'm not, I have nothing to add. <laughs> uh, perhaps in, in context, you know, Jose Bautista, when, when he was on, walked over 100 times per year in his very best years. Um, and he struggled from time to time. But, you know, recognizing that they are not pitching to you as Vlad and, and a willingness to move the lineup along and, and make the pitcher throw more pitches, it should be part of his game. And it, like you said, it has been in the past. Um, I'm not sure where it went. I'm not sure how you get it back. I, I, I do question the, I mean, do they have two hitting coaches at the moment? I can't even keep track. No, they only have one hitting coach, but they've had an assistant hitting coach for a while. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it, no, it, it's a problem. And, and what it has led to is like in, in August, his OPS is 790. You know, it's just not good enough, right? Like they need him to be producing and that's not producing. That's just being a decent enough hitter, which is, you know, if the rest of the lineup was doing that, we'd be thrilled, but he needs to be better. Absolutely. Um, so the the free-swinging offense uh, that falls short, I mean, there's a lot of base runners with two out. There's a lot of, uh, you know, get a runner on or two runners on and then a couple of strikeouts because they are a high strikeout team. Very disappointing. On the flip side, though, the the defense has kind of come apart at the seams a bit in this last week that I just I made a joke that they watched the Red Sox too much while they were in Boston and decided to pick up some of their habit uh, it's been really really bad I mean there's been bad defense 
you know, like Bobachet made misplays in every game in the Angel series, two in one of them. Um, Teoscar Hernandez had two plays where uh, it's like his brain turned off. I don't know what happened. There was the fly ball that Mitch White gave up. <laughs> Mitch White gave up seven earned runs. And I think that legitimately there was like two. Because yeah. Vlad forgot to get an out on a bunt. And then Teoscar missed a ball that turned into a triple because he just stood in the wrong spot and missed the ball. <laughs> yeah. And then in and then the next game, or no, in the last game of the series, Teoscar just stopped running to second. And if he'd got there, it would have scored a run. Yeah. Like it, it, the, the combination of all these things. And I mean, it, Schneider talked about, you've got to be, you know, have your head in the, in the game for three hours, three and a half hours every day, whatever his quote was. Um, I don't know how you impress. I, I get it. It's a long season. It's, it is August. I would be tired as well. But you you have to make the plays that are standard and routine every time that you possibly can, um, because you are going to make mistakes on the edge cases. So I I don't. It's tough to get behind a team that's just kind of flopping about in the infield or the outfield. Well, especially when they're not hitting, right? Because. They're losing one nothing in this game that we're recording. It's the fourth inning. The Cubs everyone is on first and third. Nobody out. I'm sorry for the live updates, but it's just going to accentuate the point. It feels really bad, even though they're down one nothing, and it's probably going to be more after this batter or, or two. But yep, it is. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's just like the way they're hitting these extra runs are killing them, and you can't afford to do that. In the last game of the series, bad defense. And pitch and base running probably cost them five runs. I mean, that's a huge number. And, you know, it, it's been a, a trend. I mean, they even did it a little bit against Boston, too, with a, you know, a, play, a ball down the line being turned into a triple. Yeah, it's just Boston was matching them miscue for miscue. So it didn't, it didn't feel like it was hurting. The, the other thing is the amount of, of these that have led to unearned runs, right? Uh, even against the Angels, a team that hasn't been able to capitalize on anything all year, um, is astonishing. It's like almost every single time I notice an error or a play not made, it is a impact to the score. And that's just, I mean, I, some confirmation bias, but there's a lot of runs on the board, like you said, in that Angel series that literally wouldn't have been there had things uh, been done, quote-unquote, properly. Um, and then we saw Teoscar leave with a foot contusion. I, I don't know if it should have been a brain contusion. <laughs> um, you know, is he 100% at the plate? Is that why he's not hitting? Is because his foot is still bugging him? Or is this just all getting convoluted because things are going badly? Yeah, I, I don't think the foot really has a lot to do with it. Because he was striking out like crazy before that happened. So... Who knows? It's just bad. Like it, the vibes are bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and they swept Boston, right? Like it's a, yep. you know. So, but you know, when when they when they get shut out for the first twenty innings, twenty five innings of the series against the Angels, it's not going to inspire confidence. Despite the fact that they are drawing many thousands of people to this ballpark. Yeah. So this is the Jays have gone two and nine. Over their last 11 home games, sorry, two and seven over the last nine. 
And during that time, they have averaged 40,321 people in attendance. It's the first extended stretch of big crowds of the season, and they played like this. Look, that's fluky and unfortunate, but it does have an effect. The The games have been not easy to watch, too. I mean, look, the, o- the Otani-Manoa game, which you referenced, that was a show. That was Everybody got their money's worth on that one. But the rest of them have just been bad baseball, and that's not going to make people who— I'm going to go to pay. I'm going to try going to a game. They're not going to come back. No, not for, you know, 80, 90, $100 a ticket. <laughs> right. And that's the point. It's an expensive ticket. So people need to have a good experience if they're going to shell that kind of money out. And that just hasn't been the case lately. Also, I, um, I always have cringed every single time, you know, in history where it's been like, oh, the, the home crowd really gets behind us. It's a big advantage to have you guys at home. You know, I don't deny that players love having fans in the stands. It's not the reason you win more games at home. <laughs> These stretches like this no, are, no, no, you know, just just as likely as stretches of, of good play. It's it's having that the final out that gets you extra wins at home. It's not how loud people are in the stands, or much less them doing the wave, which they have started doing again in Toronto. Thank you for nothing, dear <laughs> dear Toronto fans. Um, so in an effort to you know make it better slash paper over the the George Springer is a DH for a week. Uh, We've had quite the mix of outfield slash second base players, including Jackie Bradley Jr. Welcome to Toronto, JBG. I don't think we had got to say that last podcast. Have they signed him yet? What? Bradley Jr. Bradley Jr.? When did he get signed? Bradley Jr. They traded for him. They they picked him up uh, 10 days ago, I think. Okay. Yeah, he was he, they, he was playing in the last series. He, we talked about it in the last podcast. My bad. Um, so him, uh, Merrifield, Espinal, Biggio, Tapia. I mean, is it just rearranging deck chairs here? <laughs> well, now Bradley Zimmer's back too. <clears throat> that was just funny. I, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's interesting. And they, they've got all these outfielders and all these second basemen, and none of them are really any good on the bench. It's kind of like you would like to at least have one guy who you could pinch hit with, but they don't. And I, Zimmer is a nice piece to have, right, in terms of a pinch runner and defense replacement late in games. But they also have Bradley. They also have Merrifield. You don't need three of them. So I'm, I'm a little confused at bringing him back. Um. And especially, like you know, he'll be playing when they expand the rosters. But it would be nice to have another hitter. Yeah, um, someone who has a little pop, like can maybe, can maybe go go deep, go yard. Does any of those guys have home run potential? You know that you you would think the guy oh. who has the most power is Zimmer. Good lord. Yeah. Um, let's just. I think we can move off of that. I think we move to the pitching, which has been. Acceptable. Yeah, you know, obviously the the Mitch White game, like he was okay, like he, he wasn't good, but he was better than his numbers. But Mo, Manoa was great. Stripling was far better than his numbers. Thank you very much, Bobichet. And then you know the bullpen has, in the games where they were actually contending, been very very good. You know, I you know I I lamented how they tried to give away those games against the Red Sox, but the bullpen is what saved them getting out of some really tough jams from 
uh, Garcia and Romano, especially. Yeah, Romano. And Anthony back, Bass. Romano, back-to-back days going two innings on the second day. That's beastly. <laughs> um, and and facing runners on third base and, and somehow wriggling out of it. it just, uh, it's... It's the kind of thing that makes you think if they do get into the playoffs, you know, they have the potential for some guys to really get out some some performances. But um, I know they're still in the playoff position, but this is a team that's being, you know, the heels are being nipped at by a lot of teams right now, and they don't seem to have uh, the parts working together, you know, to, to make it happen for the next, oh, 32 days, is it? Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, but yeah, no, they well, a little longer than that, 34 days, I think. But they they just need to start playing as like they're better players than they're playing, right? So they just need to just start playing better. I know it's easy to say that, and there are reasons that they're not, but screw it. Like if you're gonna be a good team, this is when you gotta play your best. Yeah. Um you know, it, it, they did have the championship team in Toronto from 1992, uh, omitting some of the more controversial people. Um, but they interviewed Mike Timlin of all people. Um, and he was, you know, talking, you know, philosophically about what, what is, what is a championship team? Um, what, what makes a difference having played on four world series teams? And he said, when you believe in the other people on the team being a part of, uh, uh, being, being people that are going to support you as much as you support them. That your their their talent or their ability is is enough that you're going to put your trust in them and then they can put their you know they're doing the same for you, and I think that's reflected in in taking walks as, as the biggest thing right um, or handing the ball off to the bullpen. Yep. If those if those parts are working well, you have a lot of confidence when the ball gets hit to Bobachet. If they aren't, you know you're cringing and you're wondering what happened and you're you're trying to reset and face an extra batter in an inning. And it's gone badly lately. Yep. That is the shortest front end of a, of a podcast we've done in a while because it's been that lousy. <laughs> yeah, and again, they're three and three since we last recorded, but it's just, you know, the timing of the recording is unfortunate. <laughs> Indeed. Um, all right, we will be back right after this with some things that are at the back end of a podcast, including your question. And we're back. Um, normally, the division between uh, two ends of a podcast is about twenty seconds. Um, we were gonna, we were just gonna wait till the Jays took a lead to finish off, and then we realized that it would just be very be like half a podcast we'd have to release. So we've moved on <laughs> to your questions. Yeah, we might not have been recording till next week at the rate that they've been playing lately. <laughs> that just seems silly. Here are the rules: first, I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? L at Ellie Hart. Uh, thanks for your question. L, by the numbers for the season, they've hit well. Not been especially streaky. Not been overly lucky or unlucky. Gaussman, uh, notwithstanding. What is your wild speculation as to why this year's Jays are so completely, utterly, spectacularly frustrating to watch? Well, I think we sort of touched it on the beginning of this podcast. They just swing so much. 
Now the Jays are first in the majors, no second behind the Dodgers now in in batting average. Well, okay, and the Rockies, but the course doesn't count. So non-course division, the Jays are second behind the Rocky, the Dodgers in batting average. They they put the ball in play a lot, but they also put the ball in play poorly a lot, and it leads to these situations, like in in, in the Cubs game that more happened while we were not playing, not recording. This situation, first and second, nobody out, and went pop up, ground out, pop up. And the pitch that Chapman popped up, the first one was down and out of the zone because he decided to swing and put it in play when maybe you should take the pitch and wait for something to drive and do damage in a key spot. And they just aren't doing that. And they haven't been for a while. Yeah. Uh, my recollection of the Jays' homers over the past, even in Boston, uh, extends to Danny Jansen and George Springer. I could be wrong. That's the only two months I've got. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I do think there's one other ingredient, and that is expectation. Um, these are players who I think we've largely watched for a number of years. So we know Teoscar Hernandez is capable of a 900 OPS and 30 to 35 home runs. We know Vlad Jr. has an MVP caliber season in him. We know Lourdes Gurriel Jr. eventually hits a certain way. And, and when they're not quite going to get there, like, I mean, these guys are not having, oh, no, what, my career is over years. But uh, I don't think anybody's, other than maybe Kirk, is at his career year this year. Uh, without that good outlier and with a bunch of guys who are below average or, and, you know, other guys who haven't broken through, I think the expectation that this team might take a step forward offensively is even more disappointing having seen the last, say, two years of what they can do offensively. Yeah, and then, and then also, especially, it's just the fact that it's bad pitchers doing it, right? Oh, okay, yeah. you get shut down by Shohei Otani, whatever. That happens. But, like, Tucker Davidson, the, whoever's starting for the Cubs today, making a second career start, who has very mediocre stuff, Assad, Javier Assad, like, these guys are not good. But they just make the Jays look terrible. Yeah. So... Uh, unionize the MILB at split letters, uh... Asks, so do the Jays just enjoy toying with their emotions or question, 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 question? <laughs> <laughs> well, if, I mean, I hope they're getting some enjoyment out of something because otherwise it can't be, <laughs> it can't be a good time to be a Blue Jay. No, I, I think, um, I mean, I alluded to this earlier as well. I think in a long season, there are, there are ups and downs and it's, how, how do you keep the downs to a minimum? And they're just, they're not there. They're, they're dragging. And it, it happens to a lot of teams. I mean, it happened to the Yankees who looked like they were going to destroy the world in June and July. So um, it's hard to say how it happens, but it does. I wish I had more for you, Luke. <laughs> uh, BK at underscore BKUH underscore Bradley Zimmer cannot be killed. Will he score a winning run in the World Series? <laughs> Unless maybe if the Jays release him again. <laughs> so no, here's what's going to happen. The Jays will make the playoffs. He will not score the winning run in the World Series, but he will steal a key base when the Jays are down two nothing in the D, two games to none in the DS in the ninth inning. He'll be the not quite as good Dave Roberts for the Red Sox in 04. <clears throat> my my question here is: so Zimmer was waived, mm -hmm. and then he was picked back up on waivers. Mm -hmm. It is August. Yeah. Is he, but he's still play eligible because he wasn't traded for? Yeah. So he, he's now officially a member of the team before September 1st. That still applies. Okay. Just check it. 
but he's not actually going to be reporting until September 1st, which means they can add him back without cutting someone. All right. Uh, ADGE at Adrian Christo, Christo Stim uh, asks, uh, in, in sort of uh, tagging on to that last question, does this mean no Moreno in September? Sadly, I, I think it kind of does. And I don't agree with that decision. Look, I like Zimmer. I actually think he's good for the role he's in. I'd rather not have Bradley Jr. But you don't need Zimmer, Bradley, and Merrifield, which we talked about in the first part. They do need someone who can hit. And Gabriel Moreno can hit. And a lot. Danny Jansen has been just awful. Since he came off the IL, he's hitting 200 with a 284 on base and a 333 slugging. You know what? I don't even have the heart to say anything about that i would have in a, in a different time in a different place josh i would have said something but i'm just gonna let it go yeah no but it's like yeah okay because the pitchers like throwing to him or whatever but like at some point you got to be producing and he's not so i'd rather have the guy up who could maybe take some of these at bats yeah you're gonna hit me with the last question sure the last one also from unionize the mlb milb at split letters you're given 10 minutes unsupervised in the Jays' clubhouse. What are you doing to dispose of the red jerseys? Wood chipper. <laughs> I'm giving Chris Sale a one-day contract in a night. <laughs> okay. You know what? Combine the two ideas. Send Perfect. Chris Sale in with a wood chipper. I think. All right. Deal. More efficient than what either you or I could manage. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know what? It, not everything is is dark and dreary, right? Like there's, there's little bright spots and we find them in the strangest places. So where we're going to find ours is in a gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. The last time this team was in the playoffs, it was managed by a man named John Gibbons. Did you know that fun fact? I, I seem to remember that. Yeah. Um, turns out John Gibbons is, um, is still around but he's around in the place i least expected to find him twitter <laughs> so and he's engaging with the fan base like crazy initially when i saw the john gibbons tweets i thought okay is this gonna be like john gibbons hat from 2016 tweeting or something and it had you know a picture of him and i'm like well that'd be pretty easy to fake i mean it's not like john gibbons is gonna call you out and then i went to his pinned tweet his pinned tweet is a video of John Gibbons saying, surprise, I'm on Twitter. I bet you thought I'd never be here. And I thought, you know what? You're exactly right. <laughs> no, definitely never figured Gibby for the Twitter guy. But here he is. And he's been actually really active. Like, he's just bored. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got tweets like, Does, doesn't anybody sleep anymore? I must be getting old. <laughs> like midnight, people are still tweeting at him. So I'm, I'm sure if he had notifications turned on the first couple days, <laughs> he had his phone. <laughs> He couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, he makes spelling mistakes. He makes fun of himself later. Uh, many of his tweets. Uh, can you hear his accent in the tweets? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. That gravelly drawl. I, I, it's amazing. Um, he's also been uh, very smart. Uh, although Ted Nugent came up today, he has, he has expressly tried to keep the politics away from the baseballing. Like he just wants to have a nice a nice time. Doesn't need to get into anything serious. And I think that's what Blue Jays Twitter needs. It's someone who is not trying to promote anything, right? Not trying to, he didn't come out to, to be corporate or to be, to shill for anybody. He just came on like you or I would get a Twitter account. 
hey, I'd like to meet some fans. I'd like to talk to some people about baseball. Also, his heartfelt, hey, how you doing? To like every beat writer who ever passed through the Blue Jays Clubhouse to his Twitter account is amazing as well. Yeah. I have a second gold star to give out. Do uh, tell. I do. So we've been reading these questions and the unionized the MILB handle from split letters. The gold star goes to the MLBPA who has sent uh, forms to my get... final thought. Oh, okay. Well, then you can just talk about it then. I'm going to tease this the, with the gold star. <laughs> no, no, what's go, ahead, happen. go ahead. It, it's a good topic. And it's worthy yeah. of a gold star, so, 100%. Well, then I'll just let you take it over since it's your final thought. Go for it. Uh, the MLBPA has decided that the uh, minor league ball players should be folded uh, or, you know, an opportunity to be folded into the MLBPA in the union to the point where the advocacy organization for minor league ball players um, have become members of the uh, MLBPA offices and now work for them. So, uh, yeah, they're getting union cards and forms sent out to them. And instead of being this joke of independent contractor BS that um, has been trying to pass off by baseball, uh, they're going to get the same kind of protections that major league baseball players have. Oh my goodness! Well, potentially, it's not there yet, but no, it, it, but the process sorry, the has plan. begun. The plan is to have that, um, which is better than no plan. Which is the the minor leaguers have been left high and dry for no good reason for a, a while. We've talked to a couple of people on the podcast. We've been to people trying to make life better for minor leaguers in a couple of different ways. Um, and this would be like the icing on the cake if they can get a union. Yeah. But so that's we, your final thought slash gold star. <laughs> my gold thought. I'm having golden thoughts now, Josh. I like Amazing. that one. That's way better. Um, yeah. So we do have a light-hearted do-over as well. Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... This one's all you. <laughs> it's just a very silly one. I, one. One of my favorite nonsense things is hashtag baseball stats where people will tweet something out that it's like, it's the silliest thing. It's like, this guy's great at facing left-handed relievers who come in when the team is down three runs and whatever, right? Yep. Well... Buck Martinez just broke the rules. <laughs> he took this to a, an insane level and with seriousness. It, when Lourdes Gurriel came up in the first inning, they, Buck Martinez came out and said he has a 13-game hitting streak at home in interleague play. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he, when he got a hit, he said, now this extends his hitting streak to 14 games at home in interleague play. That's not a thing. It's, it's not, not a stat. And, and, and uh, credit to uh, Roy Z, because he's American. Uh, yeah, hi, Roy, for, uh, for pointing this one out, because I, I wasn't watching the game at that point. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's clicking too many boxes on the Fangraphs page. <laughs> sure is. Uh, an excessive number of uh of categories to divide by was it tim curgeon who they used to accuse of the you know uh on, on during day games on tuesdays kind yes of? that was him yeah, yeah that was him well tim got into the hall of fame so maybe bug is just angling <laughs> yeah once his turn this is this is his secret backdoor route into the hall of fame is quoting really obscure nonstat. i like that plan keep it up buck yeah i mean do do over rescinded 
if only he were he were playing the long game this way. Um, do you have uh, a final thought? Because I, I believe we have arrived at, at the portion of our somewhat truncated podcast. If we don't have anything nice to say, right, Josh? Yeah, so Danny Jansen just made me look dumb. He just hit a three-run homer. <laughs> so it's no, a three-game. No, the, the, he, responded, he responded to your criticism. Fair enough. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I was going to say about uh, about Tim Meza. He came off the injured list, and the Jays have thrown him into these high-leverage spots every time, and he's he just doesn't seem ready for them. In his, you know, he's given up four hits and gotten four outs, including a home run, and four runs have scored while he's been on the mound. I, I think that they need to stop throwing him in when the game is on the line with a left-handed batter up. Go to Garcia. Go to Bass. Go to heck Richards, who can pitch pitch the lefties with this changeup. Just let him actually start pitching well again before they keep him in those those moments yeah i think he also gets very short um outings as a result of that uh again he's because he's you know lefty on lefty and then he's try he gets out of the inning and then they've you know moved on maybe he needs uh a clean inning to start against a lefty of course it would also be nice to not be in a high leverage situation wouldn't it yes yes it would but that's not realistic <laughs> oh my goodness well, I'm sure the Jays will somehow muddle through into a victory before we podcast next. Um, but that is to say, uh, that since our time is coming to an end, I have been Greg Wisniewski at uh, Coolhead 2010, and you have been Josh Housem at Joshua Housem. And this has been episode number 245 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we will talk at you next week.